right, y'all. Welcome back to the Raynell Jones Podcast. I am your host and the CEO and founder of the Alignment Chapter Corporation, where you all already know we help single mothers in need of emergency assistance and support. If you have not visited the Alignment Chapter, make sure you follow us on Instagram. And that's the Alignment Chapter with two L's. You all know that means all women aligned with their purpose. Make sure you visit our website at www.thealignmentchapter.org and click on any of those links that you need. If it's for emotional support, if it's for financial support, if you just need a mentor or someone to talk to, make sure you utilize those links, you all. And if you are a donor, like a lot of our listeners are, make sure you click that donation link or that Amazon Smile link to see how you can help a single mother in need of support. So today we're going to get into it. I got a New Jersey mama on here. And you all know with this season two, we're going to go into some local philanthropists. Y'all know I love philanthropy. It's something dear to me. It's something in my heart. And this young lady that I have on here is amazing. Okay. She's amazing. She is a New Jersey mom and she became a leader within her community. Um, most 20-something young mothers seeking information and support for their nonverbal autistic sons wouldn't take their concerns to social media. Well, Simone did. <laughs> um, if mothers ever did so, they will likely be upset and posting simply about their frustration and desperation. However, Simone really wanted to reach out and spread some concerns and also give you all some knowledge on hand in hand how she is raising her autistic son. You know, most young moms don't do that. They rather suffer in silence and struggle. But when Simone found out that she needed help through traditional government and private agencies, and placed in her continuous loop of overturned and unheard calls, she went to social media for help. And her plea did not go unheard. So I want to introduce you all now to Simone Gordon. Hey, Simone. Thank you so much for having me. How are you today? I am doing good. I'm glad you decided to come on and give us some education, some inspiration, and talk to us a little bit more about you, what it is, your journey, and what you do. So tell, tell me a little bit more how this started. Like, how did you become a mom? Uh, where did it start? And, and just tell us a little bit about Simone. Many people... Um don't understand um, the trauma that many women in urban communities, well, marginalized communities go through. I started um, working at a Fortune 500 company at the age of 19. I was blessed with that. And I began to go to school at the same time. I couldn't do both because I have other obligations at home. So I quit school in 2007 and I continued to work at a Fortune 500 bank making $45,000 a year. And at that time, that's a lot of money to be 19. Yes. I was very young and I met my son's father who was much older than me. And you know, you're a pretty young thing and you see a handsome guy and you're thinking, <laughs> wow. You know, I'm no longer in high school and I see everything on TV and on the videos. I want that same thing. 
sometimes things that you want may not be things that you really, really need in your life. So um, I got pregnant very quickly um, and I got pregnant and I had my baby at the age of 24. And when I had my son, I lost my job. Um, Mm. My parents were my number one support system because at that time I became a single parent. So um, I started seeking support from my parents. And during the time I was working as well with different temp jobs, my mom told me she saw a bit of a difference in my son. And as a young mother, that's something that you don't want to hear. So I ignored. Um, And then one day she told me again, I think we need to take this baby to the pediatrician. So I went to the pediatrician with my parents and my dad sat in the waiting area with me and my mom went to speak to my son's pediatrician and the pediatrician had a colleague and they all three went together in a room first. And I had my head down and I knew something was wrong. So they they asked me to come in and they sat me down and I could just see my mom just, you know, holding me and I held the baby and the pediatrician stated, well, Miss Gordon, he is a healthy, handsome baby, as we can see. But your son may have a mild case of autism spectrum disorder. I said, can you explain to me what that is? And soon as she started reading off the list, I just went numb. Um, she gave me a whole big pamphlet of resources and I went home and I was just numb. Um, I had a nervous breakdown. And um, my mom and dad was taking care of my son for two days while I regroup because mentally I wasn't ready for all the things the doctors told me to do. So my grandmother, at the time she was living, she spoke to me and said, snap out of it. It ain't about you no more. It's about that baby getting the help that he needs. Right. So I snapped out of it, went through those pamphlets. It was about 10 to 11 pages long of different um, agencies, different organizations for children who have autism. Um, I even went to the welfare office to get food stamps assistance. Some of the workers, I believe, were either underpaid or just overworked. So it was just immediate attitude when you ask them for resources. I called every number. I left voice messages. Some of the numbers that were even in the pamphlet were um, not even in service. I got defeated. Because I said, I got this baby. I'm only getting $200 in unemployment. I'm going to food pantries. I have my parents, but I'm his mother. I can't always rely on other people to take care of my responsibility. His dad is not there. I just did not know what to do. So I went on social media. I went on social media and I took my frustrations out on everybody. I said, so you mean to tell me I've been working since the age of 16, got a corporate job at 19, I lost it, and now all of a sudden my son can't get resources? So someone said, call Children's Specialized Hospital. I called Children's Specialized Hospital. The lady said to me, we got to put you on a waiting list. Got my son's information and hung up the phone. So I went back on social media, an angry black mother. You mean to tell me I paid taxes, I went to school, I did this, I'm I'm doing all the right things that everybody is telling us to do. You guys are saying go to uh, these websites. Everything is black and white, and people don't understand that, right? So 
a Facebook friend of mine at the time said, hey, there's a group called Reparations and Offerings for Marginalized Mothers. Join that group and tell them what you need. I said, I'm going to do that because everybody's giving me the same thing over and over and I'm doing everything. I felt like a failure to my son. I joined that group. I, you know, I introduced myself with my son in my picture. And I said, my name is Simone Gordon. I recently lost my job. My son was just diagnosed at the age of three of autism spectrum disorder. Um, I'm calling every agency, every organization. I need help. There were four women, one from Washington, another one from Pennsylvania, one for California, and another one, I believe, New York. They all, they all forced at the same time, what do you need? I said, my son's been on the waiting list for six months, almost two years with Children's Specialized Hospital. He need therapy. One of the women, Kath, um, excuse me, Elizabeth said, I got LinkedIn. I'm going to go email their chief officer. And she did. They called me upset. Oh, yeah, he's been on the list. Let's try to get him in the next week. I'm like, shocked. Because I'm calling every day and someone is slamming the phone on me. But when someone from another ethnicity call or send an email, it's a different story. The mm-hmm. next woman. That's said, so deep. It, it gets deeper. The next woman said, what else you need? I said, I need pull-ups for him. He's a big boy. And the pull-ups they're giving me from the insurance company he leaks through them and sometimes he gets a rash. They say to me, okay, well, I have a Target credit card and I get coupons. So once a month, I could give you a box of depends and wipes. Never knew this woman and she never knew me. Fine. The third woman um, said her and her husband live in Washington. Her name was Kimberly and her husband's name was Steve. And she asked me, well, since you lost your job, what is your next move? I said, well, I'm going back and forth to to the temp agency because I don't like welfare. Um, They're very mean and they're belittling me as a woman, like I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. She said, tell me what you want to do. I said, I want to go into nursing at a community college. She said, what's stopping you? I said, well, I owe them a bill of $724. And right now, I just don't have $724. The little bit of money I get from unemployment I have to take care of my child with. She said, give me your student ID number. I'm going to call up to the school and ask them, can I mail them a check to pay off your balance? After me and my husband pay off the balance, let's enroll you back into school. My heart dropped. I said, you don't know me. She said, I don't know you, but I know your story and I want to help. Sure enough, she did mail that check to Essex County College and helped me throughout school. Um, her husband passed away, um, December of 2021 of COVID-19 and she's battling cancer, but she was able to see me graduate June 3rd of this year from college. Oh my gosh, that just gave me chills. (laughs) At that time when I was getting all those blessings from the women, I decided to take those same women and tell them to recruit their friends and let's go ahead and give other women like myself the same blessing. And I'll start fundraising on Facebook. Um, everyone on social media start calling me the Black Fairy Godmother. 
And I got the attention of a celebrity yoga instructor, Jennifer Pasteloff, and her dear friend who has helped me on Instagram, um, Elizabeth Gilbert, the writer. She's the author. And um, I moved on to Instagram 2019. I started at October 2019. I started at 100 followers. The end of 2019, I had 13,000 followers. And we're here now at 46.6. And that's the story of how the Black Fairy Godmother began. Woo, my gosh. If that is not relatable, I, I, it's, to me, this is the iconic version of what women go through every single day, dealing with the welfare system, dealing with children who have disabilities, getting the phone hung up on them. They think that we're all making this up. We're crazy. This is what happens. We have a baby. Oh, well, it's your situation. And the sad part about this is it happens a lot in the Black community. And I don't believe that it's something that is in their heart, but it's something that is taught that you decided to have this baby. It's your responsibility to raise this baby. And I'm struggling myself. So I don't know what I can help you with, you know, but what people don't understand is it's not about money. You just gave a list of resources of how people just helped you just by doing the bare minimum, by reaching out to the CEO, by sending you gift cards for Target for diapers and pull-ups, by simply helping you with your Instagram. That is unheard of because everybody thinks about the dollar and not behind the service, you know, not the service behind it. And what you said in your entire introduction was an iconic version of what low-income single mothers go through on a day-to-day basis. And people don't realize it's a mental decline. It is. And what we face every day is not talked about. Mental health starts off when we give birth. They don't teach us about, you know, if you have, um, what's it called, postpartum, something wrong with you, you crazy. We don't have that. We don't get any of that. And I tell people on my platform that. And I also explain to many people. These are not just people who you think are just out here just doing the most. These are your school teachers. These are your janitors. These are your everyday people. The secretary that you lay papers on the desk to don't have a bed to sleep on. (laughs) Tell me about it. I'm saying These are people, women just like you. And this is the message I keep pushing out. Women just like you, that all they need is just a little bit. All it takes is for you to do a little bit, for you to to send an email, just a little bit, just to get her issue heard. Why is that so hard in our communities? And what we're facing now is the embarrassment of saying, hey, I need help. And when women say, hey, I need help, they're in fear of, oh, our parents is going to feel like we're making them look bad because, you know, hey, I'm helping you. Why are you putting on social media that you need help? And I'm doing the best I can to make me look bad as a parent and make me look like we ain't never helped you. It ain't even, it's not that. And what I had to explain to my own mom and, you know, and to my family is you all are in poverty as well. There is only but so much you can help me with. 
there's only but so much you can help me with. And what I would like you to help me with right now, you can't afford. You just said you need a 724 to pay your school bill. I'm pretty sure your parents already had their own bills. They already had only thing going on. And they did. And they were helping me with my child at autism. My mother was strong because she raised three kids, but she was all, but she was also in the medical field. So she knew I was a new mom. I did not know how to handle autism. I did not know. And when I went to ask questions, the door was closed. So she was the only one I had to, she was explaining to me, hear sign language, go on YouTube, do this. I didn't know. I knew nothing about LinkedIn at that time, but certain ethnic groups did. And she got the attention of a CEO, like this is going on. A woman is on social, a black woman at that, she wrote me email, a black young woman from the inner city is stating that, her child is being denied for the past six months to a year of services, therapeutic services. Therapeutic services that they're supposed to offer, half the organizations on a pamphlet are not available. They're not. Hello? They're not. Hello? I'm calling. Hello? They're Every not, day. They're not available. The resources that's supposed to be there, they're just taking our the donor dollars and running with it. Who knows where it's going? It's going to their salaries. To their salaries. And then you have organizations like us who start nonprofits with no salary, still working, still doing and still providing needs to not hundreds, but probably thousands of women. And yeah. we get the tail end of the stick. And I had a video on Instagram about that. There are Caucasian males who are stealing some of the work that black philanthropists are doing. And they have millions of TikTokers. They can raise $75,000 a day, a day. But when we're on Instagram and other social media, we can't even bust out 5,000 throughout the end of the day. And we don't have salaries. We're still in poverty. We're still pushing. People don't know when you donate to the Salvation Army and you say, for instance, you were in a fire. Your kids will only get two hotel stays in the most rat infested, roach infested hotel. But if a person comes to Black Fairy Godmother Foundation, which they have, we put them in hotels from 10 days to 30 days, and it depends on the situation. We secure permanent housing from the, for them. We reach out to different realtors who need the tax write-off. So we had to say, hey, we don't have that big fee you want, but hey, you need a tax break, right? We work with that. But some women don't have the credit. They don't have any of that. Then we do an Amazon wish list to house them. With, you know, the beds, the essentials that we take for granted. I've been doing this for eight years and nine years will make October with no money, with no dime. I don't even get a cup of coffee from Starbucks, but I don't care about that. I've been there and I know what it feels like to not have food. So I'm not going to tell the next mother to go to the food pantry because her kids are going to eat out of a damn can. No, they're going to get Instacart because the mother might need soap. She might need lotion to take care of her kids, and she might need some flowers. So when a mother is begging for food from our foundation, I tell my team, we are we are to do Instacart. We don't go over $300, but we get the essentials, and the mothers love it. They take pictures. We post it on Instagram. But every mother get a bouquet of flowers so that they can understand it's okay. 
And if it happens again in your life, it's okay. You will know how to maintain and you will know where to find me. And you know what's so powerful about what you just said? That we provide that same service and people look at me crazy when I said, I am not giving them lotion, deodorant, non-generic brands. I don't give out that stuff. And when they reach out to us and they ask us, hey, my daughter, school starting, she don't got shoes. We go get the shoes. We go get the clothes. That's what we we really are in a grassroots community actually doing it. And you got these huge nonprofits that give them hand-me-downs, bare minimum, bare minimum, non-brand. We are actually giving them the, the Vaseline intensive care, the Palmers, okay, the secret, the Mitchums. We provide the same moisture. I as you can see, if you go down some of the whistles, you like a mother in Philadelphia. She reached out to our foundation and said. I don't have a car seat for my baby. We had someone go to Target and buy her a car seat and stroll it and delivered it to that hospital. You know what's so funny? That's the same thing that happened to us multiple times. I need a stroller. I need a car seat. Oh, you do? Amazon wish list. Please somebody donate this. Can you provide this milk? The formula crisis. Oh my gosh. It's hard for us to literally make, bring in 5,000 a month. And you mean to tell me a lot of these Caucasian organizations, all they got to do is put a face behind it. And because they have the following, they can get all of these done. $5,000. I and watched a man take nothing. I watched a man take some ideas from me and other black women who are grassroots. And we talk about it all the time. And what he does is he knock on people's doors and give them in the bag noodles, milk, and eggs and bread. That's all you see in the bags. But when you see Black Fairy, and not just Black Fairy, let's not toot my own horn, because I know plenty of sisters that I'm in community with in Alabama, Mississippi, and Compton. They do the same work I do, and we talk about this. When we post the groceries and how well the kids are happy, even during Christmas time, I had a big disagreement with some people who were attacking me saying, these kids' wish lists are ridiculous. Nike sneakers, $80. I said, well, how much do you think a size 12 shoe for a 15-year-old is going to cost? He's asking for an $80 shoe. That same $80 where you're spending that in one week going to Starbucks. Make it make sense. The kid is asking for something to walk on. So we talk about these things. And, and talking about it and... There's a difference. See, we don't just talk about it, Simone. We be about it. And when we be about it, we show about it. The sad part about Black nonprofit is we show where all our donors' dollars go to. And we still are denied from grants. What, let, me, let me just do a guess. Let me do a guess. I'm just going to throw it out there. What's the reason they give you on your denial? When they deny you for, for a grant, what do they say? It's always yeah. the same thing low on funds or it's a lot of crap they say and i go y'all we decided to go with other organizations that felt needed it more or after careful consideration don't forget that don't forget that don't forget that part don't forget that part after careful consideration 
So then when you look on who they gave to, you're like, so you gave to a university, you gave to a tech, to a, you gave to a food pantry that's, that's making, that has a mil, $4 million budget. You gave, you're not giving to grassroots nonprofit organizations. You're giving to your friends. And then when you look at their board of directors for a lot of these big organizations that's supposed to give trickle down to the organizations, you see no diversity. So they Absolutely. don't even understand where we come from. They don't even understand the need. That's a problem. It is a problem. And that's, that's why some TV shows don't even want me on there because they're like, this got to be scripted. I'm not scripting anything. I'm not scripting nothing. Why would I script the reality? You can't not script do that. reality. I can't script reality. And the reality is, is that women who run nonprofits from our personal experience, from our mental beatdown, from us getting tired of reaching out to these organizations who were not providing them being the hero that we needed them to be, we became those heroes, okay? Right. We became those faces. We became the ones who actually put the foot in front of the other foot. You know what I mean? Because being a single mom is hard. It's so funny you said 19. I became a single mom at 19. I was a freshman in college. It's just that 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 transparency where we relate in those ways and people don't understand that mental decline. You know, that was freaking hard, you know, and I know you said you had a breakdown. Can like how because I want to elaborate because I want to tell you about Matt. Like, how was your breakdown? Like what happened? Like, what were you going through? Like, what was the turmoil you was going through? And how did you bring yourself up out of that? Without anyone judging you on this podcast, when you're in the doctor's office in there giving you a breakdown of the things that your child may not be able to do, when they say your child is, you know, nonverbal and, you know, and, and I and thank God I had my mama standing there with me. But when they give you the breakdown of things that your child might not be able to be doing or your child has to go into special education, you're going to have to be your child's voice. I'm a young girl, so all of that, it was too much. So my breakdown was consist of two days of not bathing, not eating, thinking to myself, what did I eat during my pregnancy? Or did I, you know, was I near a lot of pollution? Like I was just thinking crazy and blaming myself until I got out of that ignorant mode and turned the TV off while my parents had my son and research a lot of what autism spectrum disorder is and how it's, and how it's affecting a lot of the Black children in marginalized communities and how, you know, it could be a various of different things. But just because my child has that does not mean that he's not just like any other child. No, and it doesn't mean that. So my breakdown to me was, I'm studying. My lights is off. I got to feed this baby. I don't want nobody to know I'm embarrassed. I'm already right. separated from her father. Like, you know, I say sperm donor, but her father. And I, I felt like I was not good enough. I wasn't a good enough woman. I wasn't right. a good enough mom. I wasn't a good enough person. Everything kept coming down on me to where I'm like, I can't do this anymore. Like sometimes, like I just felt like, Dag, maybe she's better off without me. Maybe, you know, my grandma, my mom could 
take over. You know, I had thoughts of like suicide, like maybe I just shouldn't even do this because it couldn't bear to me to just give her away. Like I had to step up and make sure things happen and admitting those things out loud. People be like, what? You're crazy. Like, did you really think that? No, like I really thought that. It's I think very, all mothers at that point thought about suicide. It's very hard. They have no idea if you're trying, you're working a minimum wage job. Snap is giving you the bare minimum. Okay. Wick is giving you the bare minimum. They don't even give you enough milk to last. You know, these babies, they drink, they, they don't give you enough. And you got to come out your pocket and decide, am I going to buy diapers or am I going to buy me some pads? Am I going to buy her some wipes? Or am I going to get me some lotion? It's those things like that where you got to make those decisions on your own is what mentally depletes you. So, you know, when I was just like, you know, I got to do something different. You know, I, I got to shake off of it. I got to do something different. I know when I developed a coupon habit, it was over. You know, I knew there was other women like me who was making these decisions and I wanted to help them as well. You know, those decisions right there is enough to stress you out. Being a mother alone, young, depending on the welfare system, makes you a gangster. And it does. Oh, you the most powerful gangster and can nobody knock you down. Do you hear me? That <laughs> is out here with nobody say we is the number one gangsters walking the planet because that strength up there. That gives you the ability to keep moving and helping your kid get through what they're getting through. And especially a child with autism. I see a lot of young women now where I can see the signs of autism. I can see it. But they're so in denial that they will not get their child help. Because you guys don't understand. I was those, I was those young ladies. Do you know sometimes, depending on the level of autism, your child might not graduate like other children. You might not see your child drive his first, his or her first car. You might not see your child on prom day. You might not see your child walk through the dorm doors. That's scary for any mother to think. Now, when they, and then that's the question I had because even when they're told and like how you were told, like, you know, I think you need to get him looked at. I think you need to get him looked at. And when you finally did in your heart, did you say, I really don't want to get him looked at? Or did you say, you know what? Let me make sure my son's okay. I knew something was wrong, but I couldn't point it. What happened when I was watching TV with him he start um, doing something in repetition with his fingers. And I said right there, I want to get my baby some help. And he was two going on three. And that's a lot of the signs that they say you have to be aware of. Loud noises, um, repetition of something. Being Sometimes they be stare focused. My son was very stare focused to the TV because he was saying words. Um, he he walked late. He walked at 15 months. But he was saying words, but then it just stopped. Um, when he turned to, it just stopped. And, and then I started seeing repetition of things. And I know a lot. I know a lot of people 
that had autism that was diagnosed, but they grew out of it. You couldn't even tell they had autism. You know, you couldn't even tell that, you know, they were on a spectrum. And a lot of people don't understand people with autism are the most brilliant people walking the planet. My son is the most brilliant, even though he's nonverbal and he's on the low functioning level of autism. He still has his brain. He still has his ears. He hears and understands everything that we're saying to him. It's just that he is unable to verbalize. And there's differently. That to me is so being hearing that and seeing that. And I've experienced it with so many women who have children with autism. And when you got him the help that he needed and you start seeing like there's other moms just like me, did that bring you a little bit of calmness over your situation where you didn't feel like you was a black mother, young, alone, going through the same thing? Yes. It did. And I kind of figured it did because when I saw that I wasn't going through my situation alone. I was like, why am I tripping? I'm not the only one. Everybody's out here going, right? you know, why am I ashamed? Like, what am I going to be ashamed of? Everybody goes through things, but it's everybody's situation is different. But I want you to say something to the mothers out here who know their children have autism, right? And they go to a family function and they venture off and their child with autism is just running free and they don't express to the family or to their friends that their child has autism. So other people around don't know what's going on. They don't know why their actions are this way and they're too embarrassed to face it. I've seen that happen so many times, but people around like me will understand consciously, like, okay, he or she has autism. This is what's going on. But other people are like, what's wrong with this kid? Get this kid away. You know, not okay. And that happens a lot in a black community. It does happen in our community because it happened to me. And I had to be the mama bear and go, wait, my child has autism spectrum disorder. And they go, I don't know what that is, but okay. I said, Google it because it's one of the leading diseases that are affecting our black boys from the age of three and up. Learn it. Because your grandchild or your neighbor or someone that's close to you may have a child who's affected by it. And I feel like they shouldn't be critical or feel like they have to watch the kid. Now, a lot of kids um, that do have autism, what people don't understand is a lot of kids that do have autism and they are consciously normal and that are verbal. Sometimes they are more um, sexually hyperactive than regular kids. And sometimes if a mom is so embarrassed and she's not watching her child and they're doing something inappropriate with another child that doesn't, you know, doesn't have autism, they're not aware of what's going on, but she's not watching She's not verbalizing. This is what happens because, and and I always say this, your embarrassment can lead to a travesty. It sure can. Because if, if someone's not aware 
of what's going on and your child does something inappropriate to another child because you're not doing your due diligence because you're so embarrassed to tell them what's going on and you're not monitoring what's happening, it can create a big issue. And that happens a lot in the African-American community. And what people don't understand is, oh my gosh, like your child did something inappropriate to my child. Well, my, they never, my child didn't do it, but you're not saying my child has autism. And this is one of the things that happens. And it's my fault. I should have been watching. And if you're under upset, I understand. There's a lot of women out here that are so afraid to admit that. And it's creating a, a, a domino effect of hush hush in a black community instead but of they're only hurting the babies. We're they're hurting only hurting the kids. We're hurting these babies. There's so much technology now. There's so many um organizations that are stepping up. I'm I'm proud that even the New Jersey Police Department is starting to get training on autism. You just don't know. Yes, and to and, and and the way they respond to situations are different when you bring it out and let them know they have a medical history. And I want to understand a little bit more. So about your organization, do you all offer that education to mom, new moms who are just finding out their children have autism, the steps they could take? Can you share a little bit about what, what that entails in your organization? We have a medical public health aspect of um, the Black Fairy Godmother Foundation. I just launched it in June after I graduated because I didn't want to take so much because I'm doing, you know, uh, the Angel Food Assistance Fund, the Domestic Violence and the Mercy Assistance Fund and the Fairy Death Scholarship Program. So I didn't want to take up so much because I wanted to make sure it was structured. So, yes, we've done a public health. Um, type of uh, situation where I am currently helping four women who are in the South who knows nothing about um, autism, but explain to them which hospitals they can go to. Many people don't know to advocate for your child. You can go to any big time university and go to a law clinic and sign up for services. If you cannot pay for a lawyer, to fight for your child's education who has special needs. There are plenty of law clinics in different states. I know the University of Pennsylvania has one, Rutgers University, John, I mean, St. John's have one, NYU have, there's so many, but we don't take up these resources because sometimes it's not that people get lazy. Some people are ashamed or never thought that they'll be in this predicament. Yeah, and it's, you all have to understand, you are listening. You're not the only one in this situation. And the, the longer you deny it, the worse it becomes. It is our job as parents to raise and educate our children on life and help them navigate through life. It is never our child's responsibility to learn how to navigate through life on their own. So if you have a child with autism and you feel like you need the help and you feel like you need to get them the therapy they need or the technical devices they need. They have a lot of technical devices out here. Now, don't get us wrong. There are good organizations like ourselves who will help you. You have to take the first step and say, look, 
I didn't ask for this. I didn't know this was going to happen. But as a mom, this is my job to make sure my child has the best education, has the best, you know, outcome. Even if the doctor tell you he'll never talk, he'll never move, he'll never do this. If you provide that nourishment to your child, he might surprise you one day. Because my son is surprising me. He will be 12 September 2nd. And the doctor said that he would never do X, Y, and Z. He is five foot eight. He runs, he jumps, and he just started now saying different words. By going to a special needs school that I had to fight with the state, I advocated with Rutgers Law Clinic. They have a program called HEAL, and that program is for anyone in the urban community who cannot afford representation. You go to the law clinic. They have law students that will represent you. They, you know, that they'll send letters. I fought for five years for him to be in a special needs school. And I was a young mom, you know, in my 20s. The fight is never over. It's just begun. It's just beginning. I mean, you got to keep fighting. And for you to say he can run, jump, all of those things are amazing. And let me ask you a question. Did he ever stop saying mom? No. He never stopped. He never forgot. Now, a lot of moms have experienced their children not being able to call them mom. So a lot of their children could say their name, but they couldn't say mom. They couldn't get the mom, mommy, ma, or or come out in an auto just say speech. The speech. Yep. They need speech therapy, not just the speech therapy in school, but they also need third party speech where you could go to a children's hospital. Or now, since, you know, there's COVID-19, there are services where you could do speech therapy through Zoom and your insurance company will pay for it. There's so many things that I have researched and I'm just happy that I'm able to share with different people. And some of the mothers are like, this is amazing. You know, my son wake up 4 a.m. every morning for the past 12 years. I don't sleep. But this is the situation that God gave me because he knew that I would take care of him. And I am. And other people. Now, when you say he wakes up at 4 a.m. every morning, Mm -hmm. do you believe now that you're older that he is my personal blessing alarm clock? Because I get a lot more done (laughs) from him waking me up at 4 a.m. every morning. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> to, to now, do you feel like now, like, hey, I'm up at four, but I get so yes. much my baby. Before, before I'm like, oh Lord, but now I'm like, okay, I gotta get this done. Let's go take our showers, get our oatmeal. I you know, I pull out the laptop. So I am like I am adapt, like I adapt to this. And people ask me that. I said, but I get so much done. And, and I was in school, too. About, how about you getting so much done and being in school and all of that, right? How was dating like? Did you ever find a partner? How was that? Like, how did that How did that happen? And that's, that's a good man that, you know, will understand what you're going through. Well, let me tell you about this. And some women are going to agree and they're going to disagree. During the time that I went back to school and I was blessed with the opportunity of going back to school, I decided to not focus on a man. I decided to focus on my relationship with myself, with God and my son. That was the priority because if I don't finish school, 
how am I going to be able to take care of myself and let alone take care of Jarvis? So during those years, I was not looking for love. Um, You know, I was not looking for love. I wasn't looking for anything. I just was focused on my degree. Let me get my hurdle on getting some form of education and where my, not just my family will be proud, but my son will be proud that his mother took care of him while he was sick, while he was, you know, waking up in the middle of the night or, you know, if he had activities or whatever the case may be, my mom went to school and done it. So I I wasn't focused on love at that time. Um, You know, God always make a way to bring new people into your life. And you just have to be a certain type of person to accept the lifestyle that I have. And most importantly, to accept my son. Because we're an amazing package deal. We're like a snicker bar. You open the snicker and all that nougat and all that good stuff. That's me and that's my son. So I am um, currently, you know, um, dating someone. But my priority will always be my son, me, and God. And I think a lot of the young girls that I'm mentoring, they do the opposite. They worry about the man. They were about the money and other things. And I'm like, no, you got to reverse that. It's yourself, it's your child and God. So that's where Tori Birch start following me on Instagram when I start speaking about the Fairy Dust Scholarship Program. That program is to stabilize black and brown women to stability, to go back to school like I did, focus on themselves, focus on their self-esteem and focus on their children and their household so that they could become better mothers and be productive. And it's been working. So I thank Tori Birch. I thank her foundation for helping me create the Fairy Dust Scholarship Program and allowing me to mentor all these young girls. And a lot of them are graduating. Some of them graduated the same day I did and they're taking pictures. Some of them went to college. Some of them went to trade school. Um, we have a woman named Storm who's been a single mom and her husband um, was in a horrific car accident that left him paralyzed. She went back to the University of Texas. They had a certificate program, um, a program for welding. She went to that welding school. Uh, We granted her a scholarship and it was a six month program. She has a welding business now, went from welfare to now being a boss, making 60,000 a year. That is so dope. And the way you just elaborated that can really bring some light to women listening. Listen, it's never too late. And you got to take advantage of these programs and these blessings. It's called a blessing. When you come across a blessing, you make sure you hold that blessing. Now, don't be a blessing blocker. A lot of y'all could be blessing blockers. Oh, tell me about it. Y'all know how to block y'all blessings because you let your emotions and your selfishness and the wrong choices get in your head and it just destroys your blessing. Do not be a perfectionate blessing blocker. When someone is willing to help you, when you have someone giving you it, when you have somebody teaching you it, make sure you apply it and make sure you show gratitude and thankfulness. People like me, people like Simone, we don't ask for your arm, your leg, nothing. All we want is for you to gain your abundance. And your abundance can be a multiple of things. Your abundance can be you getting out of the situation and making it greater. So that's the biggest thing that I want you all to take away today. You can gain your abundance at any age, at any time. 
no matter what you're going through, no matter what mental decline you had back then, it doesn't make you who you are today. And your passion always outweighs what you felt like you were supposed to do. You know, we always go to school and feel like we're supposed to do this, we're supposed to do that. But when you realize I'm not really passionate about it, this is really what I want to do. That pa- that passion outweighs what you felt like you was purposeful to do in life. It's always like that. Even if it don't make you money, it still makes you happy. It still makes you feel whole. It still makes you feel fulfilled. And Simone, I thank you for blessing so many women okay. and being that voice and letting it be known that, hey, look, listen, I'm here to help you. I'm not here to judge and I'm here to be authentic. And I don't want to tie to anything that's not authentic because of what I know I'm bringing to the table. So how can people follow you and reach you on social media and donate? How how can they do that? They can always go to my website at www.theblackfairygodmother.org. There is everything you need to know. There is a purple sparkly donate button. And if you have questions, we have an FAQ. Um, also, if you would like to either get involved or to give, you could click on those tabs. You don't always have to give money. You can give resources. You could buy something on someone's wish list. There's so many things where you could get involved. You can follow me on IG, the Black Fairy Godmother Official. It is the verified account. I know some people have been making accounts under my name. It's not that. Facebook, the Black Fairy Godmother Foundation. TikTok, the Black Fairy, and Twitter, the Black Fairy G1. Y'all heard her. Make sure y'all go follow her. Make sure you all donate and make sure you all share this podcast, share her social media accounts. All it takes is one share, y'all, and you can make a big difference. So thank you, Simone, for coming on and blessing us with your inspiration, with your knowledge, and also giving mothers the idea and the courage to finally take that step and reach out to a great organization that is willing to help you gain your abundance. This is Raynell Jones, and I appreciate you all for tuning in to my podcast. Until next time, y'all. Bye.